Welcome to the Weathered Man Podcast. This is your host, Chad Stecker, and I am the Weathered Man. This is the podcast where a humbled man pleads to a broken world to listen to his eccentric thoughts concerning life, family, and the church today. Welcome back to the second episode with the one, I can now say, the one and only Dr. Bob Record. I thank you so much for being here and opening up this that, that last episode with your story, with your testimony. It made me think of some things that I'm doing right. And a lot of times as speakers, you know this, sir, is you always make yourself the victim or the villain, never the <laughs> one that's victorious, right? So there's always a person that always seems to be the victim. But then there's also people like myself that when I look at situations, I always was brutal on myself and overly brutal. I always made myself the villain in the end. And, and so I work really hard at noticing what I do well at. And as you were speaking, it made me think of my son, Aeneas, who this whole season is based off of that spoken word perfection concerning what he's going through with LCP. And, uh, and if you don't know this, you're just coming in and listening because of your connections to, to, to Bob, then uh, I strongly suggest to go at least listen to episode one of this season where I do my uh, spoken word called perfection and go through my struggle as a father with a disease that attacks the hip. So my son was diagnosed with LCP when he was three years old and at three years old, he had the hip of an 80 year old and it was just degenerating and it still is. We're still going through this, but it's about my journey as a father concerning this. One thing that I've done really well at, and I started early on in this, I always look at Aeneas and I go, Aeneas, whose team am I on? And he goes, mine. And that's our little thing is when I look at him and he's down or he's in pain or he's upset about something. All I have to do is I can look at him and I say, Aeneas, whose team am I on? Whose team is daddy on? He goes, mine. And it's those little things for him. And I think something that we need to point out as well, and I know you understand this completely, sir, is each child is different. So what could be a wound for one child may not be even close to becoming a wound to another. How I encourage one child is not how I should encourage another one. Aeneas is a really cool personality where he loves talking about, he's the only one he's like, we call him squishy because he's just got some meat on his bones. And in our family, you know, we're, we're all pretty skinny. You know, I married a five foot one, 90 pound young lady. And, and after 18 years of marriage, she's still short and she's still skinny. And, and all of our kids have different, you know, and then the Stecker household, I'm the runt of the litter at six foot three. I'm the shortest one in the family, man in the family. And with Aeneas, he loves talking about his bubble butt. It it makes him laugh. Now with my 14-year-old daughter, 13-year-old daughter, if I did what I did with Aeneas, it would mortify her and create a wound. Aeneas and I make up songs. I made up this song. I can get away with it on my podcast. Is I say, I say, uh, Mr. Bootylicious bubble butt in the house. Aeneas Cole Stecker is fluffy like the clouds. And we made up this song together, right? It doesn't create wounds. It makes him feel the center of attention. He dances to it and he says, sing it again, daddy, sing it again. It would create a wound with my 13-year-old daughter if I made that song up about her. And so I think we need to understand and realize not just the aspect of a wound, 
but how wounds can come about differently based off of the different personalities and mentalities of our children. And so once again, thank you so much for being here for the second episode. We're discussing with Dr. Bob Record his book, Ending the Cycle of Father Wounds. As we dive in, I really was fascinated with chapter seven. So I'm going to let you kind of explain the book and summarize the book for all of us. But I kind of want to put a plug out there and say, at some point in your explanation of, of your book, chapter seven is a place I definitely want to go that, that is titled A Word from the Front Row Seats. One, I think that title is brilliant. And two, when you explain what that ch- chapter is about, it's even more brilliant in that sense. But could you kind of give us an overview of your book and how that came about and, and just take us a little deeper onto this concept of, of father's fatherly wounds? Absolutely, Chad. I'd be glad to. And uh, <laughs> please don't make up a rap song about me. It would be, it would be mind-boggling. That's, that would uh, not happen, I promise. And, and it's unfair for anybody to be a runt of a litter in 6'3". It's just not right. I know, it's disgusting, so, huh? While our founding fathers were brilliant, they weren't perfect because they said all men are created equal. And brother, I've been wanting to be 6'3 all my life and I'm not equal, I wanna tell you. (laughs) That's awesome. uh, Let me share with our audience that father wounds affect both male and female. It's not just guys who struggle with this. I've had as many women come to me and say, man, this is carryover from my childhood, my teen years, my early adult years. And this is something that happened with my dad, my stepdad, our adopted dad. And therefore, it is not just for one gender. It is for anyone who has grown up. Number two, they can be intentional, as you so well said, Chad, or unintentional. And those unintentional wounds can sometimes be easily just explained away or dismissed, yet they can cause as much damage as an intentional one. And third, Uh, Not only are they both intentional and unintentional, they are both by action and inaction. That's good. It's not just by what I may have done as a dad, a stepdad, or adopted dad. It's maybe by what I didn't do. And that is what left the wound. But either way, something happened to injure the soul and the heart of a child or a teenager or a young adult because something did or didn't happen in the relationship. And therefore, it broke the surface of the relationship. It damaged, to some degree, the soul and the heart, the emotions and the spirit. And if that is not repaired and acknowledged, then with time, just like a wound to our body, infection begins to take place. And here's the reality. We may change locations. We may change circumstances. We may change friends. We may change jobs. We may change all kinds of things. But the sad reality of life is that wherever we are, we take what we are inside of us with us, and it affects marriage, 
kids of our own, jobs, relationships as adults, what we trust or don't trust, all that is impacted whether we want it to be or not. So you ask about a, row, a, a word from the front row seats. That chapter was written because, as I said in the chapter, a lot of times when I go and I hear a speaker or I am listening to a podcast or I'm watching something on my uh, video, Zoom, whatever, I'm sometimes just honestly thinking, does this person really know what they're talking about or do they just <laughs> write this on theory? Come I mean, on. Yeah. Are they just trying to sell a book or a video or a study series or do they really know what it's like to walk through what it is they're addressing? Absolutely. I thought it was important to answer that. And that's why I put my story personally in the book, because I wanted the reader to be able to say, this guy who's written this book isn't just writing something he's heard about, something he's been told about, something he's read about himself. This guy's writing because he's lived this, and he knows it firsthand from being in the first front row yeah. of life and its experiences. And I thought it was really important to address that straight up. And Chad, I get asked a lot by people, well, how do you know if Father Wounds has affected you much? I have a good friend by the name of Dr. Rick Fowler. He's one of the most successful uh, Christian counselors and therapists I've ever known. He's over 35,000 hours of helping people with issues in their life, many of which he finds goes back to <laughs> father either, a break, a hurt, a wound with a dad, wow. dad or father figure. Yeah. Wow. And it's amazing to hear him talk. But uh, we worked together and he took the lead in creating a self-assessment in the third chapter of the book that's available, by the way, on Amazon. And it's uh, ending the cycle of father wounds. There is a short self-assessment that with a pen or a Sharpie or a pencil and five minutes, somebody can go through, answer the questions. It tells you how to tally it up. And once you've done that, it tells you how to interpret it. So it could be that by your tally, it says to you, you're really fortunate. You don't seem to indicate many symptoms of carrying father wounds. You need to tell your father how thankful you are. Or all the way to the other end of the spectrum, it may say, according to your answers, there seem to be significant wounds that you are carrying. It would probably be well for you to seek some help and perspective in both addressing, acknowledging, and recovering from these wounds. So we've tried to build that right into the front end so that if a person says, you know, this could be me, I think I got some wounds. And remember, they could have been unintentional just as much as intentional, by inaction just as much as action. And by that, let me give you an example. I've told you in my story that my dad, my adopted dad, came from a really tough background. Therefore, when he got married, when he became my adopted dad, he believed that every man as they are 
is responsible for being a provider for the home and the family. Mm. He worked and worked and worked and worked. He was in construction. That required him to be gone often, many times out of town for big construction projects. Now I'm a teenager. Now I'm playing in a basketball season and we're in a really tight game and a tight race. And it's one of those, you know, Chad, I always wanted to be an athlete in the worst way. Right. And that gave me the worst way. I mean, everybody else you know, <laughs> was great and they were just athlete of the year. Man, I had to fight for everything I got. But on this particular night, I had the game of my life. It was like everything I threw up went through the basket. We won. It was a great night. And when it was over and we were leaving the arena, I watched as my friends had their dads with them and their dad's arms around them and congratulating them. And I didn't have a dad because my dad wasn't there. My dad was trying. He was working hard. Right. But in an event that was so important for me to have my dad there, he wasn't there. And I felt, I never will forget how alone I felt. Fast forward when I got to be uh, able to go to graduate school and finally ended up with my doctorate. My wife was pregnant. Uh, I think she was about in her 32nd month of pregnancy. And therefore she couldn't come to uh, my uh, graduation because she was way too big and uncomfortable. And I thought my mom and dad will come. And I never will forget getting a message from them that they just weren't gonna be able to get there. And I remembered the basketball game. I remembered now here's my doctorate and I'm gonna graduate alone. And I wish my dad was here just to be there for me. Right. It wasn't that he was a mean guy. It wasn't that he was a bad guy. It wasn't that uh, he hurt me by an intentional decision. It was an unintentionality of thinking if I provide, my son will know that I love him more than anything. Or if I tell him I'm proud of his doctorate, that'll be sufficient for being there when he actually crosses the stage. It was unintentional. It was inaction, but the wound was still there. Absolutely. My dad, my dad talks about this with the father's blessing. He says, you, you know, you can't give what you've never been given. You can't right. give what you don't have. And then, Dr. Dan Schaefer, I know you know that name, Dan Schaefer, uh, has been a, a father figure or just spiritual big brother slash mentor to my dad for many years. Right. Taught him one of the most profound things. And if, if you know Dan, you know, he doesn't say much, but when he says something, you better listen. Right. And, and he said, you know, you can't teach what you do not know. You can't, you can't lead where you're unwilling to go. And you only reproduce who you are. And when my dad learned that, it changed him. And when he taught me that, it changed me. And that's something that I quote often, something yeah. that I quote to my, you cannot teach what you do not know. You cannot lead where you won't go. And you only reproduce who you are. Hmm. And I think so many times a father is so afraid that he's going to replicate himself that he forgets that you can't replicate when it comes from person to person. We are not replications. We are yeah. reproductions and that we produce ourselves into the lives of our children. Yeah. 
And that's where legacy then comes. And, and it was through that moment that I, I had one of the most profound revelations I think I've ever had. I, I believe God still speaks loud and clear. We're just unwilling to hear his silent whisper in the chaos of our world. Mm. And I was talking about my testimony to him. I was journaling one morning and he goes, that's not your testimony. Your life is not your testimony. Your life is your parents' testimony. Mm. And one day you will have a testimony and it'll be lived out in the lives of your own children. That my testimony is my, my life is my parents' testimony. My life is my wife's testimony and vice versa. My story is not my testimony. And it changed everything because if I don't live right, I am putting black stripes down the testimony of my parents. And that's not honoring. And I know I'm going to transition now because you have a chapter on honoring your father. Right. And, uh, and, and when you study context, and this is something I've talked about quite often, when the Bible says, honor your father and mother, the, 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 what he is saying is you, our job, it's not just an obedient of when they say do something, you do it. Because if that was the case, when you became an adult and you had your own house and that honoring your father and mother would kind of be no longer needed, no longer a necessity. But it, it, the, in the Hebrew culture, when it, he said that, it came, comes across like this in context. Everything in your life should bring honor to your family name, to your father's name. So when they say that's Chuck Stecker's boy, they better be saying that in an honorable way based off of my life. They should not ever be going, who, who's that guy? That's Chuck Stecker's boy. Ooh, I feel sorry for Chuck Stecker, right? Because it's, that's why it doesn't end when we become adults, is that my life should honor my father's name. So when they hear Chuck Stecker or they hear Chad Stecker, they should go, that is a blessed man. And, and so I want, can you take us a little deeper into this issue of the, we're going from father wounds, but this issue of honoring our fathers and we don't get to choose based off of if they're a good father or not. That's right. And that's a great, great context of what you've just shared, because side by side with the fact that our life should bring honor to our father, stepdad, adopted dad, that honoring as referred to in the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is not based on an emotion, as you so well indicated. It is uh, predicated on a choice. It is an act yes. of the will. So I have a lot of people who will say to me, Chad, well, you don't know my dad. You don't understand my issue of my stepdad. If you would only understand what my adopted dad did or didn't do. And they tell me that basically... When he does this, when he admits to that, then I'll honor him. Well, mm. We're going to get to that in a minute. So I want our listeners to hold on to that. Okay. But in the meantime, I have people say to me, he doesn't deserve honor. The context of the fifth commandment has nothing to do with whether the dad deserves it or not. It is not primarily for the dad 
that the honor is given, though there is a benefit out there, obviously. As right. you so well said, that's Chuck Stecker's boy. That means a lot to Chuck Stecker when it's done in the right context. But it is even more for the son or daughter because it, what it does in their heart, what it does in getting their heart aligned with God's heart. Think about Jesus in John the gospel, 25 times he refers to his heavenly father. His heavenly father was so important to Jesus the son that he was constantly choosing to bring honor to that heavenly father. Therefore, it is what happens in my life when I choose to honor my dad, my stepdad, my father figure, or my adopted dad and obey God's guidelines, because when I do it, my life becomes blessable, and God says, I'll bless you regardless of whether your dad, stepdad, or adopted dad was very blessable or not. Mm. You've chosen to do the right thing. You've chosen to do my thing, God says, and because of that, I'll bless you. And when somebody says, you name one thing I ought to bless him for, I say, well, let me ask you this. Are you breathing today? Well, yeah, I'm breathing today. So you do have life today, right? Yeah, I've got life, but what's that got to do with it? Well, who had to be there to give you that life? It had to be your mother and who else? Well, my, my dad. Ah, so if for nothing else, you could honor and bless your father for the fact that he's given you the ability to breathe in life's goodness today, right? Mm. And I have person after person just look at me stunned like, I never thought about that. I never even considered that. But when I do it God's way, it frees me up and God is able to bless me to the maximum that he wants to bless me. And it changes me from the inside out. So it's not just for the father that it's important. It's for the grantor, the son mm. or the daughter. That's good. The honoring that makes such a difference. That's beautiful. I was thinking when uh, I love being around people like you, because when you speak, it gets my brain going even more. So I start thinking in a way I would not have thought of thought if by myself or without this interaction with you. And so this takes me further. And you said, you know, honor is not emotional. It's not emotion. And it, it, I instantly started thinking, you know, honor is not emotion. The foundation of honor is not emotion, but devotion. A great way to put it. And, and so it's not just devotion to who you're honoring. What the devotion is to is honor itself. Right. And that's where we get to this place where, and I'm going to make a statement and you can tell me if I'm on track or not, right? This is why the Bible says, test every spirit. Honor is not a verb. It's not an action. We've treated it as such. But I'm starting to think now after talking to you a little bit more and going into the depth that we have, honor is a noun. It's a thing. It's something. Honor is not something we just do. It's who we become. It is a lifestyle. It's not just a simple action. And just like many other words, there, there's, a, there's many words out there that can be taken and used as a verb and as a noun. So I'm not saying it's not an action to take, but I'm saying it's also something. It's who we become. It's, uh, we have a lifestyle of honor. And that's one of the things why I've always respected dad. And it might not be 
tell him this all the time, or may not, I might not have ever have told him this in this way, but the way he honored his father when his father was undeserving at the time is the very reason my grandfather is now in heaven and why he accepted his Jesus into his life and, and, and surrendered his life to Jesus in his seventies was because my father honored his own father and blessed him as a son long before his father deserved it or, or could really receive it. That's what my dad does with everybody. He does. Yeah. He, he lives a lifestyle of honor. That's why even his enemies, he is to me that scripture, his enemies don't even have anything negative to say about him. They just don't like how loud he is sometimes, or they don't understand personality things, right? You, we like to say with my dad, you either love him or hate him. But those that might be on that other end, I've never met anybody that truly hated my dad, but even the ones that might not necessarily get along with him personality wise, they have nothing negative to say about him other than a personality difference. He's never done anything to him. And the other people that might, they just, you know, they don't know him. And, and I see that in you as well. And I see that in your writing that you're talking about a lifestyle of honor because we're not just dealing with an action of a wound. We're dealing with a lifestyle of wounds, a wounded lifestyle. So it takes a honor lifestyle. It takes a, a, a lifestyle of healing, a lifestyle of surrender and devotion to God and his characteristics for us to truly deal with the lifestyle or the wounds that have been implemented into our lives, not just by one action, but ongoing situations. Absolutely, Chad. And I would say to all of our listeners who have joined us that uh, what your dad does is the free choice and opportunity for anybody who's listening today. It's not just that Chuck Stecker has some kind of amazing opportunity, ability, capacity, training. It's a choice that Chuck Stecker made. And anyone can make the choice to live a lifestyle of honoring, honoring a wife, honoring a husband, honoring a father, honoring a mother. And to your question, is, is it a more of a noun than a verb? I would answer that by saying, it is not either or, it is both and. It is a lifestyle, definitely, no question by choice, but it is also a verb of action. And the actions knitted together, one after the other, create the lifestyle. That's beautiful. That's well said. The key. Uh, let, me, let me give uh, a key word of encouragement to our uh, listeners. What happens when you are carrying some wounds. Maybe you're not just uh, debilitated by any means, life's going on, but deep in your heart and soul, there was some disappointment about how things were between a dad, a stepdad, uh, adopted dad, or a father figure, and your own life. And they weren't what you had hoped they would be, and they may not still be what you hoped they would be. What do you do with that? That's a real key question. It's a great question. Because to get to the point of being able to honor, I've got to first get to the point of being willing to acknowledge that I've got the issue. I've got the wound. I've experienced the hurt, the disappointment. There's the breach. And maybe even there's a bit of infection. There's a, there's a rubbing raw. When I remember a certain thing, it brings an anger. It brings a frustration, it brings a aggravation, whatever, that's infection symptoms right there. So what do you do with that? 
Well, that says that if I'm willing to acknowledge that these have happened in my life, then the only way I can get to where I ought to be is the willingness to acknowledge where I am. Hmm. Once I do that, then I say, okay, God, what would you have me to do here? I know it shouldn't be this way, and this is not what you want most in my life. So what do I do? I want to give three simple steps. Number one, I want every uh, listener who's joined us to remember how much God has forgiven you. I want you to think of all the things that God had to forgive you to be able to have an intimate, growing relationship with you or is willing to forgive you. Because in Psalm 103, Chad, it says, and our God is willing to take our sins and to remove them as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. It's always been interesting to me that if we picture a globe in our mind and then we ask, is there a geographical north and south point? Absolutely, right? Yes. But when you get to east and west, is there? No. 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 That's exactly why he chose east and west, because there's no beginning and no ending. There is north and south. So he's saying, I'm willing to take all those things that you've said, that you've done, that you've thought, that haven't pleased me and have broken my heart, and all the things you know you should have done and didn't do. I'm willing to take all those and remove them as far as the east is from the west. So it's important for me, if I'm going to exercise forgiveness, to remember that the one who asked me to exercise forgiveness is the one who's forgiven me of so much himself. He's asking me to do nothing that he hasn't done already in spades with me. That's had, good. Yeah, I had to come to that in dealing with the father wounds that I experienced. Having experienced that, that led me to say, okay, God set the example of how you clear wounds, how you remove barriers in relationship. That says, then once he's set the example, what does his expectation look like? I wanna give our listeners two scriptures. Okay. In Colossians, chapter 3, and in verse 12 and 13, listen to what it says. Since God chose you to be a special people that he loves, now you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy and kindness, with humility and gentleness and patience, so that you can make allowance for each other's faults Hmm. And forgive anyone who offends you, because remember, the Lord forgave you, so in turn, now you must forgive others. That's wow. in Colossians 3, but if you go back to Ephesians 4 and verse 32, he says it just a little bit differently. He says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just like God in Christ has forgiven you. So God set the example by being willing to forgive you and me and every listener. Then he can only move to the explanation of what he expects from us by saying, okay, here's what I expect. 
having forgiven you of so much. Wow. Now what you've received, you're able to give away. But until you receive it and experience it, you don't have anything to give. And so wow. for every listener, if you haven't come to a point where you've said, Lord Jesus, I need you. And I really want a relationship with you. And I don't even know what all that means. But, but right now, I just want to surrender my life. And I want you to come in and be my savior. That means you're going to forgive everything in my past. But I also want to invite you as Lord, and that is to direct every step of my future. That's the decision I know I need to make. When you've experienced what God does when he forgives you, then you're in a wonderful place to turn around. And where there are father wounds, where there are past disappointments, where there are past things you wish had been different, you're willing and able to go back and say, by what God's done for me and in me, I can now do with a dad, a stepdad, a father figure, or an adopted dad in my life. And here's the reality. For those who hang on to anger, frustration, bitterness, hurt, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. <laughs> it doesn't work. Who is yeah. the one who gets sick from drinking the poison? The one who's taking it. Absolutely. The one who holds on to the hurt, the one who holds on to the bitterness, the one who holds on to the anger, the one who holds on to the wound of the past is the one who ends up being hurt the most. So when I'm willing to accept God's forgiveness and in turn give it away, God says you will be staggered by what I will do in your life. Because in doing so, you have become even more blessable and able to receive all the amazing blessings I've had stored up here waiting for you just to get to this point so you mm. could enjoy them all. That's good. Just to clarify, so step one, or one of the initial steps that is very integral, without this step, it doesn't matter what other steps you take or what other actions you do, it's almost impossible to heal that wound, is forgiveness. You must forgive the person that hurt you, whether it's a father figure or whether it's somebody else that this journey of healing these wounds begin with not just God's forgiveness of your sins, but your forgiveness of others who sinned against you. And ultimately forgiveness is a supernatural, supernatural action. Yeah. Because I know, you know, scripture says for, you know, I love how David puts it for, Oh Lord, for, 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 for you and you alone have I sinned against, right? I have sinned against you and you alone. That sin is ultimately a supernatural situation. It's an action that, yes, we hurt others and we sin against others and it's sin, but every sin against somebody else is also a sin against God because sin is ultimately that wedge that wedges in between us and our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our, our Savior and, and His Holy Spirit. So we have to begin um, with forgiveness. And that's, if we can begin to do that with our own fathers, we take that principle and that new lifestyle and, 
And we can now implement that and apply it to everywhere we live, work, and play, whether it's a coworker or a spouse or a child, um, and, and, and start creating a lifestyle of not just honor, but a freedom free from wounds of others. Is that well, Chad? And remember what Jesus taught his disciples when he said, if you really want to know how to pray with power and effectiveness and impact, pray like this. And he gave them a model. Now, all of us have heard that model being in America, and we know a little bit about it. Some of us could wake up at three o'clock in the morning and recite it right off the top of our head. But we know basically that it goes, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses, whichever translation you're reading, just as we forgive those who sin, trespass, are indebted to us. Now, up until that point, that's a great prayer. (laughs) Yeah, come on. And does it get tough when it says, and Lord, forgive me in exactly the same way. I am willing to forgive others. When he gets done with that, Chad, in the Sermon on the Mount, it's as though he wants to make sure we didn't miss it. Because at the end of giving that prayer model, he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, then your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, that is you hang on to the hurt or the wound or the disappointment, your father will not forgive your sins either. Okay, so the question's got to be asked. You mean God can't forgive our sins whether we forgive others or not? Oh no, that's not what it's saying. He can absolutely forgive whether we do or not. But here's what he's saying. If we aren't willing to forgive others and do it, then we also find ourselves unfit for receiving God's forgiveness because our insides aren't ready to receive and rejoice and be glad of his forgiveness because we are still holding on to something that blocks the blessing of God in our life. So we're the problem, not God. That is absolutely right on. And I, I, I love the aspect. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is, is Joseph, the stepdad, the stepfather, the earthly father of Jesus. And I like to point that out. I, I, on Father's Day, I, I talk about it quite a bit. And over Christmas, there's 13 verses about him. But he, to me, is one of the most profound, he's one of the few people called righteous in the Bible. And if there was ever a time where an earthly father was not needed, if God wanted to prove that any type of father, you know, only biological fathers matter, it would have been with Jesus, right? Because he had an amazing mother, young Mary, and he had the best father anyone could ever possibly have, not just as a spiritual father, but as in a sense, a biological father through the Holy Spirit, that there was no need for Joseph, right? No, God said there absolutely is a need for a human man to act as a father figure for my boy, for my son. 
And it is the perfect example that I tell stepfathers all the time. You're just as needed. Jesus Mm. needed a stepfather. He had the greatest father anybody could have ever asked for. But yet God knew he needed a man in the flesh right there to help raise his boy. Well said, my brother. And and so whether it's stepfather, biological father, adopted father, or spiritual father, you are needed. And you are wanted whether they say that or not. They might not just have the words for it. And so we need to understand that. And then the other thing is, is I love, we don't have to go deep into this chapter, but I'd like to end on this because I think it's a perfect segue into not giving them too much of the book, but you do a really profound job of giving answers, not just bringing up questions. I remember as I was being raised by my father and my mother, my mother did most of the raising, I'll have to admit, uh, because the military took dad away quite a bit. And to, and to be completely honest, ministry took my dad away more than the mil- military did. And that was some of my wounds is that God, the military didn't even take my father away this much. And so my mom did an amazing, fascinating job of knowing when dad was around to take a step back and then step into multiple roles when he was gone. But we have to choose to recover. You give good answers. And that's where I didn't go to. I said this and I didn't. So let me go back to what my father used to tell me. Don't come to me with a problem without first processing and being able to throw out a possible solution. For if you present me with a problem without a potential solution, all you're doing is complaining and I won't allow that in my house. So he forced us that if we went to him with a problem we were having, that it didn't have to be the answer and it didn't have to be a good solution. It just had to prove that we had thought through a possible solution for the problem we were going through because he wanted to be part of the journey, not the only stakeholder in that journey. And that's what you're doing in your book, that you're not just presenting a problem. A lot of authors do very well at presenting a problem and then they don't come full circle and present a solution or multiple solutions that are tangible for the reader to take and, and implement into their life right then and there. And you do a great job at that. And I think chapter 12 called choosing to recover the pathway to power is a profound step in that where you've already dealt with forgiveness and honor, but you, you bring it back full circle in the sense that it doesn't matter who did what to you and what they did to you. If you don't choose to recover, you'll never get better. That's right. That's right. And so can you finish off by dealing with this and let's put the pressure back on the one where the Bible also says, if you've been offended, you go to the, the offender doesn't go to the offended. The offended goes to the offender. And you're, you're really dealing with that kind of concept in here when you deal with wounds that we have to choose to recover. Yeah, you do. And I've heard it say, excuse me. I've heard it said that happiness is a choice. Well, Freedom from the bondage of this kind of thing is also a choice to your great point. And just so we all understand or on the same page, the listeners and you and I, Chad, this is not just something that's out there somewhere. Just this season in television, top entertainment, four of the top most watched shows in the nation have all dealt with father wounds in their very shows week after week. New Amsterdam, FBI Most Wanted, Bull, This Is Us, 
all have focused mm. on an issue of father wounds of yeah. a man's character. Yes. So they know and see firsthand that it's happening and very proliferated in our culture. So now what are we going to do about it? Well, in the book, we give very practical steps. We've talked about understanding why forgiveness is important, how forgiveness can set you free. But we also say, then how do you do that as a son or a daughter? And uh, Dr. Fowler and I walk through, here's how you put it together. We suggest getting either a piece of paper or a few pieces of paper or some three by five cards and begin to just ask God, God, bring to my mind, not junk and trash, but legitimate hurts mm. and disappointments that I experience, and then write them down. One for each card or one for every several lines so that you have room to leave and make notes and take several days to do that. That's not to get as many as you can. That's not the purpose, but just to give it a fair shot of trying to make sure you have a good handle on what were the main things that caused a wound, a disappointment, a lingering hurt in your heart when it came to a dad, a stepdad, an adopted dad, or a father figure. And then go back and put them together. And then once you have those done, sit down, and we would suggest writing out a letter or typing out a letter, just as though you were going to send it to someone. But be honest. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to make it sound sweet and precious. Be honest. This is something I had to do. Uh, this is something I found really can set one free inside where you say, start out, dad, I want to say to you, beginning with things that really I appreciated about you or something that I found very important, uh, impacted me to a very positive way. Always start out with the affirmation. That's so important. And then go into, but here are some things that left some wounds or hurts or disappointments or uh, distances between us. And here's where they came from. And then end up with the part about forgiveness that I just said. Now, what do you do with it then? Well, in the book, we tell you some very, very practical things and steps to do. If your dad, stepdad, adopted dad, father figure is still living, you may want to see what it says about taking that letter, refining that letter, maybe somebody you trust giving you some input on it, on how to refine it, shape it up, edit it. And you may want to send it to them or maybe even better, sit down with them person to person and just say, look, I'm not here for any bad or tough situation. I just want to share with you my heart. And, and I want to share with you some things that are really things that I'm, I'm thankful for. And I, I want to say positive to you, but I also want to just share with you a couple of things that are in my heart that, that are things I want fixed. I want repaired. And, and I'm talking to you because I want that repair. Uh, what happens if the father, the stepdad, the adopted dad, the father figure is no longer there? What if you can't find them? What if you don't know where they are or what if they've died? That was my case. What do you do then? I did exactly what I just said. And then I got two chairs. And I learned this from Dr. Charles Stanley. And wow. it made so much sense to me. 
And in one chair, I put a picture of my dad. And the other chair was me. And I imagined that my dad was there. And I talked through that letter that I had written about what I appreciated or valued about him, my life, being able to go to college, providing for me, because that's the way he expressed love, as I've shared earlier. And then I said, but there were also some things that caused distance. It caused a wound, a hurt, a, a, a damage. And I want that repaired. I don't want that stain with me because here's what I realized. It was not for the dad, the stepdad, the adopted dad, or the father figure, primarily that one does this. It is for your heart. Yes, so come on. Your heart can be healed. Yes. And it doesn't have lasting shrapnel that is affecting your kids or your grandkids or your wife or your friends. So I walked it and talked it through as though my dad were there. And then when it was done, I said, dad, I just wanted to share this with you, even though you're not here, this was important for me. And then I took that letter and Chad, I tore it up and I've never seen it again, but that was the most cathartic cleansing and freeing experience. It was like when I got up from that chair, a big weight had been taken off my shoulders and removed that's never come back again, ever, ever. In fact, when I speak on this to men or to women or to churches, I will often get a, a backpack and I will, at the beginning of the message, put in rocks saying, somebody's wounded you, somebody's hurt you, somebody's blindsided you, somebody's undermined you. So you are wounded. So you add another rock that shows the hurt. So you allow that hurt to become anger, put in another rock. So that anger grows to bitterness, put in another rock. And by the time I get my backpack, pretty full of rocks, I put it on my back and I keep it on for the whole message until I come to what forgiveness accomplishes. And then I take it off of my back, having carried it now for some 30 to 35 minutes and throw it off the platform onto the floor when you can hear all the rocks just go and everybody in the place is riveted because it's a picture of what we ultimately do emotionally and spiritually when we haven't let go of past hurts, disappointments, wounds, cleaned up infections. It's like we carry all those rocks Mm. on the backpack of our life. And until we forgive and remove them, we are in a mess. Yes. But once we do, we'll never be the same again. We talk about that and walk that through in very easy, simple, straightforward ways in the book so that anybody anywhere under any conditions could do it and know how to do it. Whether the person is visibly there, whether they're physically able to be present, or whether they're not able to be there at all through death or separation or any other means. And I would encourage anybody who thinks this may be a part of my life, go on to amazon.com. It's ending the cycle of father wounds because if it's not ended with you, listener, it becomes multi-generational. You may not mean for it to, you may not intend for it to, but trust me, it will whether you intend or mean for it to or not. But if you take the time and the effort to address the issue, oh, how you will be set free 
but how you will be even so much more powerful with everybody in your life. And you will receive blessings you otherwise would not have experienced because by doing these kinds of steps, you've made your life blessable. And that's what God wants. Amen. And amen. That is so wonderful. I do strongly suggest you go get the book. Once again, it's ending the cycle of father wounds, hope for healing and preventing infections caused by relational wounds. And it doesn't matter if, if, if you're a young man, young woman, man, woman, grandfather, grandmother, this is for everybody. This book is not just written for fathers to pick up and read. This is for everyone because we've all We've all dealt with these kind of wounds before. I want to end with a story as well. That's one thing I love about you, Bob, is that you're a storyteller. And my dad's a storyteller. I would consider myself more of a storyteller than even when I was pastoring than a preacher. I, I just, I love stories. And I, Jesus loved telling stories. Mm -hmm. It's how he did much of his teaching. And I remember in 2019, uh, church, we were doing uh, doing a series called This Is Us. And we were doing it because we were a newly merged church. And uh, we merged an urban black church and a country white church together in 2019. Wow. Took us a year and a half to do. And uh, I did it with my my best friend at the time. And he, he became the lead pastor. I became the executive pastor. And, and in this process, we didn't understand this. Um, it was one after my accident. So we were still dealing with that personal aspect of things as a family, but we were also dealing with my kids went through some things that I never prepared for was that they're a part of their identity was that their daddy was the pastor. You know, no matter what we went through, they took pride in being the PKs. They really enjoyed that aspect. And we were in the same church and it's like, they lost that. The, the, the preacher, the, the pastor's kids were the new was from our friends, the other pastors and my kids, whether they were or not felt forgotten, felt pushed aside, no longer felt like they kept asking me, why aren't you a pastor anymore? And they didn't understand the dynamic. And as I was trying to talk to my son, Liam, I was encouraging him, but he didn't see it. He didn't feel a part of the church. He didn't feel part of the family necessarily anymore. He's eight years old. And, and so God gave me this vision and I, I said, okay, guys, let's all go do this. So I stood the whole family in front of our bathroom mirror where they could see themselves a part of the family. Most of the time we can only see, we see the whole family and they, my son could see that I was telling him he's, but he never saw himself in it except from past pictures, or if we take a picture and we put it up on the wall. And so in real time, we can't do that. We can right. see everybody else, but we can't see ourselves. And so, but when we stood in front of that mirror together as a family, mm -hmm. I was able to speak life and bless my children. And I blessed each and every one of my children. And I blessed my wife with them in that moment, able to look into the mirror and see them physically a part of the family. And I just told them, I said, this is us. And without one of you, this is no longer us. Wow. And it was one of the most profound moments. It took about five to 10 minutes. Um, even with the, 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 the incredible amount of children my wife and I have, we have five ranging from 13 to three now. And at that time it was, I think 11 to one. 
And that was one of the most amazing things I've ever done as a father was that short period of time where I could literally bless each and every one of them. And in that blessing, they could visually see themselves part of the family. So that's another tangible thing. If uh, you're listening and you're wanting some steps or easy things, you're going to get amazing things in this book. You're going you're gonna to deal with some things personally. And this book will hold you to the fire, meaning they're not all easy steps. Forgiveness is not an easy thing to do sometimes. I would say most of the time. That's what makes Jesus so profound and our Father in heaven so profound that you're going to have to make some serious chips. You're going to have to choose to be in recovery on this one. You're going to have to choose healing and not choose to be in the, 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 the dire of your wounds. And, uh, and then he's going to give you tangible processing steps to, to go about that. And one of them was uh, just amazing that he mentioned before. And then you can also do what I just mentioned as well. The mirror effect has an amazing thing that to be able to witness yourself, a part of the family you've always been told you're a part of. And I suggest even with churches, we do, you know, uh, I, I bring a mirror up in front of everybody and for them to feel a part and see that they're a part of the church together. And, and so Dr. Bob, thank you so much for being on. I could talk, I could just, I could do another three episodes with you right now, uh, but this is profound. We will find a place probably let's, I'm going to try to get you and dad on at the same time. That would be kind of fun. I'd love that. And let me say, Chad, to every man who's listening to us, we've talked about what happens if you are uh, a person who during childhood or adolescence or teenage years or young adult years, you were hurt or wounded or disappointed or estranged, whatever, how to deal with that. But let's say you are a dad, a stepdad, a father figure, uh, an adopted dad. I want to encourage all of you to do something I've done. I've gone back to each one of my three children and I've said, I want to ask you a question. Where are some places that I left some wounds in you? I want you to know, I don't think I meant to at all. And, and wounds that were there or hurts that were there or disappointments that were there were, I, I hope, unintentional. I sure never meant them to be intentional. But where did some ragged edges get left? Because I don't want those carrying over into your family, your adulthood, or our continued relationship. Now that we're adults together, I want to make sure that anything that's there that needs to be just prayed over, forgiven, talked through, we do that. That has been a wonderful, not always easy, but a wonderful, wonderful experience. I'm closer to my kids today as grown kids who have their own families than I ever have been in my life. And I've got seven grandkids, Chad, that I'm trying to now model even more what I probably didn't understand as well then. And I'm still in process. <laughs> I'm still under work with yeah. God. And yet I'm trying to do that with my grandkids now, every bit as much as my grown kids. So do take the initiative. If you were a dad, a stepdad, uh, uh, adopted dad or a father figure. Don't just 
cast it off and say, well, I'm sure everything's okay. I did the best I could. Go back and ask. Mm. Number one, you better have an ambulance standing by because sometimes your child may need the ambulance. <laughs> in fact, you even ask. Yeah, absolutely. Love you and value you and appreciate the fact that you did. Mm. And it may be amazing what new vistas it opens in the relationship. And if they answer, don't get defensive. Don't get defensive. Remember, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Use it accordingly. Listen a lot more than you talk. And find the grace to say, I'm sorry, let's make that right. Then try to defend yourself about much of anything. It will pay off spades in the long run. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for listening to the Weatherman podcast. And uh, this has been a very, I can't wait to, once it's published, go back and listen to it myself after experiencing it with you. And if you have any more questions concerning this, I know you gave Amazon and we gave the book title. Is there a place that they can go to um, find out more about you and to, um, if, if pastors hear this or if other organizations listen to this and they want to bring you in to speak at some point, how can they contact you, sir, and uh, get a hold of you in a way that um, can communicate the best? Well, thanks for asking, Chad. Uh, real simply, my email, my personal email comes directly to me, is my name. It's simply Bob at Bob Record. And Record has two C's in it because my ancestors must have stuttered. So it <laughs> will be R-E-C-C-O-R-D.com. Bob at BobRecord.com. If you want our website, it is just T as in Tango. L as in Liberty, I as in Independence, Ministries.com, T-L-I-Ministries.com. It stands for Total Life Impact, because that's what I want you to make. I want you to make impact with your total life because of how God is transforming it. Total Life Impact Ministries, T-L-I-Ministries.com. Beautiful. Can't say it enough, sir. Thank you so much for being on. I have been truly blessed. I have the honor here. This was amazing. And I understand completely why my dad loves you so much. And so thank you. And look forward to hearing from more from you and having you on in the future, sir. God bless. All right. Remember, in a world of groupthink, you can watch me, mock me, block me, or join me, but you cannot silence me. Until next time, stay weathered, my friends. Oh,